So, you know, as the conversation of gun crime dominates our headlines, this story caught me attention because it involves a, an Ontario judge giving a black man charged with a gun crime a lenient sentence because he factored in that this man likely suffered systematic racism and lived with poverty. And it has sparked a conversation as to how much consideration should, in fact, be given to someone's background when determining punishment. And it is a discretion given in cases of Indigenous offenders. But is this a consideration that should be given to everyone? Now, the case involves a judge that goes uh, by the name Justice Sean Nakatsaru. And the person involved was sentenced on a gun crime, gun case, that involved a 22-year-old black man who was stopped by police who were en route to a home invasion. But this 22-year-old this man decided to run, and when cops caught him, they would find a loaded gun on him. And in the ruling, the judge pointed out that he lived in social housing, that his father had died when he was younger, and that his upbringing on the streets would have influenced his life. And he said, quote, Reason must control emotion in sentencing because in our system, a sentence is not just about the crime. It must also be about the offender. And he did acknowledge in his ruling that he's being lenient and that he was taking a chance, which is interesting because I'm not sure he's there to take chances. Let's bring in Joe Newberger. He is, of course, our legal expert on this. Joe, I'm not liking this. Uh, I don't like the direction we're going, although you may disagree with me on this uh, one. I, I can hear it in your <laughs> intro. <laughs> so. Why would we yeah. feel sorry for anybody? I know. But if you, you do know, then, you don't you do it for everyone. You know, the reality is that there are certain segments of our society that have suffered systemic racism and marginalization, and it does factor into the ideology of crime. Sure. We do, we do this for Indigenous individuals, and there's no doubt, it's beyond reproach, that there are members of the black community who have been subjected to this type of racism and marginalization for decades. Mm-hmm. So it's a good thing to recognize it. I think his honor made a, a very reasoned, well-written judgment grounded in fact. This individual not just was saying that these things had happened to him, but he had experienced it. When he went back to school to try and complete his uh, education, he wound up being the, a victim of an offense and lost his spleen and a little bit of a pancreas. He suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder, and because of his marginalization, it's, it's no shocker to anybody that he would be more susceptible to gang activity and to get into that culture. So what does this all really mean? Yeah. If we give a 15-month sentence or a four-year sentence, does it make the community safer? Here's what I say. Nobody who's going to be involved in a crime Mm. such as this will go, okay, you know what? I'm going on the computer. I'm going to check quick law, and I want to see what sentences I could get for a home invasion with a loaded gun. Let me just check. If it's a lot, I'm not going to do it. That just doesn't happen. So deterrence is not a reality to protect the community from future crime. If we just want to give significant hard sentences because we believe they should be denounced, that's one thing. But if we want to grab hold of what is the reason that we are having this outbreak of gun crime, why are people still drawn to these gangs, we need to look beyond the sentencing and look at the factors involved in people getting involved in crime. And the problem that I'm going to say is we don't have a great focus on it. We have strains on um, our funding for many programs because our government likes to waste money on all sorts of things that are not important. Right, but you got to get them before they get into the system because once they've gotten into the system, most people, you know what, I'll come, I'll say, 
you got to teach them a lesson so they don't come back. And, and if I, you know, if we could be dealing with the actual real problem of gun violence, we should be we should be starting at the sentencing part so that when people know, hey, if I even pick up a gun, I'm getting an automatic five years. I'm not even coming out. There's no ifs, ands or buts. Then that would be the, de- the de- you know, the, to the deterring factor, correct? I, I hear you, Alex. And, you know, most a lot of the time you and I are at Edom. We, we agree yep. with the way we look at it. But the reality is... But then you get all defense years, lawyery on me. No, but I just, you know, <laughs> I've been doing this so long and yeah. it's like, people don't give a... You know, I can't say that on the radio. Well, well you can't. We'll care. just bleep it out, yeah. Okay. They don't give a shit. They don't read these sentences yeah. and don't care because they're so ingrained in this. The, the value of the life, the value of their future, it's not playing a factor anymore. And why is that hopelessness out there? What's going on to cause that level of hopelessness? Well, certain segments of society are marginalized, and they are subjected to a systemic system of racism that many of us don't have. And we need to do more to help them rise up those communities and get them more involved in their own futures, get them invested in their futures, and then we can address the risk. But what we need to do is we need to be smart. We don't have government employing resources in an intelligent way to try and address this. See, I I do agree with you. I do agree with you on that. I do agree that the approach that we're using now is not working. My concern, though, when you get judges like this, as we saw with all the judges kind of skirting and changing the rules with the mandatory minimums, is that when you start setting the precedent, well, I'm going to do it in this case, you know, you get other judges that will say, well, I'm going to look into this sentencing and, and use that reason. So then you've got a whole bunch of cases that are using the same kind of reasoning, and then before you know it, everybody's going to be doing it. Maybe, maybe, but maybe not. I mean, you know, because the mandatory minimums were struck down, when you look at the majority of cases, people didn't get lenient sentences after it was struck down. The judges don't don't like mandatory minimums because they tend to be unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. And what I've said is we have to believe in our judges to give them the discretion to mete out an appropriate sentence given the circumstances of the offense and the offender. And generally, a lot of the sentences are either equal to, sometimes they're lower, but sometimes they're higher than the mandatory minimum that they struck down. So I don't think that's a major issue. We need to trust in our judges and let them do their jobs. But, you know, we also have to look to see what happens. Now, this will be an interesting experiment, because just as Nakasura said himself, you know, I'm taking a chance on you. Don't let me, don't blow it. If he blows it, that may be a perfect example of, well, we can try and recognize the systemic uh, racism and the marginalization that goes into the offending. But in spite of that, people are not able to get onto the right track. Now, is that a factor because we don't have the right supports in the system? That's also a possibility. Because what we don't consider is the chronic underfunding of probation services so that mm-hmm. they can get programming, education, vocational yep. services, etc. We have so much chronic underfunding in so many areas, yep. education, mental illness, yep. mental illness. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. And our governments are blowing away money, blowing away money. That they don't even care to find anymore. That's where, when we hear these conversations about let's find where that money went, people say, well, let's just move on. We had the election. This is the kind of stuff. That's where the money should be going. Not on the waste. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you 100%. We should have a serious forensic audit to find out what has gone on and hold those people accountable. Because when you hold public office, you have a duty to the public to spend the funds with a fiduciary obligation to do it in our best interest and to do it appropriately. And frankly, that does not go on. The spending and the, the expenditures that are done on such silly things and are wasted is incredible, and we never hold people accountable. There you and go. that's a problem, and that factors into everything, healthcare, education, and criminal justice. Agree. And so I've got, I'm up against the wall. 
But uh, if, <laughs> if any members of the uh, former Liberal Party get uh, called, I'll send them your way. Yeah, they won't want me as their lawyer. <laughs> no, all right. Thanks, Joe. Take care. Ciao. Joe Newberger. I like him because he's got a sense of humor. And he's smart. And he gets very feisty.